Good morning, and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We'll start off with show notes as usual. We have our Evening with Medium events coming up on August 24th, and tickets are already sold out. And we do have our December 14th event on sale on the website by sarlo.com. There are very limited seats left for that. Yep, that's right. And you can stay tuned for our 2019 events, which we will be announcing soon. Sips of Sanity is a second podcast show that Kelly and I have, and it can be found on the website by sarlo.com or Googling Karen Sarlo or Kelly Sarlo. It's a 10-minute show. It's the first week of each month, Monday to Friday. There's a theme for each month. It's usually based around emotional or spiritual intelligence, and it's to give you a toolkit. And last but not least, we have gift cards and personal sessions available for purchase. You can experience them anywhere in the world. Today's show is going to be about past lives. And I think because past lives, Kelly, it's going to incorporate soul contracts, lessons that we've learned from lifetime to lifetime, patterns that we're in in a current lifetime. So if you're listening to it and you think, oh, I don't believe in past lives, I'm not listening to this shit. Stay tuned. Don't hang up. Don't disconnect. It can be quite relevant, helping you figure out what shit you're in right now. I thoroughly enjoy treatments when someone comes in and asks for past lives. I find typically, Kel, that they ask for it at the beginning of a session. And I don't know how come, but they start off that way. And because of it, I find the rest of the session has more clarity. And I find that those types of clients are more willing to see how their past lives, the patterns that we talked about, are playing in this life. So when they go to ask me about a current relationship or their future, they're more open-minded and will bring up, oh, that's what I did before. They're, they're willing to see connections. I find, too, those clients are typically actually more open. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to be constricted by a certain agenda. Mm-hmm. They're more willing to want to talk to their own soul and get messages about what they really need to move forward instead of having a fixed agenda of what is someone else up to in medium uh, what do my kids need there's just this this desire to connect mm-hmm. as opposed to control mm-hmm. yeah they're the ones that are seeking understanding and I think that's a key thing to figuring out how we actually connect to ourselves or to other people is that in order to feel a connection to somebody, which is what we really want with love, is that we have to figure out how to understand ourselves and them. It's part of learning life lessons too. So when that type of client comes in versus the client that's looking for a psychic reading, which I had three in a row yesterday, three people came yesterday for psychic stuff, where they were just, just tell me about my future. They wanted it to be like other psychic readings that they had done somewhere with someone and I was supposed to replicate the same type of session for them. So what they were looking for were things like you're going to move in six months. Your husband's going to be successful in three years. I don't find those sessions ever go well. Me neither. Because there's nothing for them to confirm. Mm -hmm. And even though in our consent process, we will explain that when we're answering information about future, we always go back and ask for something from their past or present to confirm. They're still not convinced in a state of belief 
open to, however you want to word that, they're still not willing to accept that they can't confirm something. So if you say, for example, you're moving in six months, no, I don't plan to do that. Yeah. And it's like, you're wrong. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say those are the people, though, that go from psychic to psychic and never stay with one particular person mm -hmm. to actually work the, their gifts to their advantage, to be able to say, how do you share these gifts? How do you teach me? Or how do we build on this as a relationship so I can continue to come back and benefit? It's it's almost like just shopping for information. And if the information isn't what they can believe or what they want to hear, you're no good. Versus the person that comes in and says, let's start with past lives. Let's see, because they're looking for what is the pattern. They're looking for deeper answers. What are the probabilities then that my future is going to change versus I want the next person to be different in my life. I want the next marriage or the next partner or the next job to get better but I don't really know what pattern I have to break or what I have to change within myself to ensure that it actually gets better for me. Well, there's certainly a difference I see in those clients, Kelly, the ones that want the, the random psychic reading just want, I'll say information that they may think is believable or they want to hear. So they make the same thing. Two things mean the same. If I want to believe that, then you can be correct. And when people come in and ask about past lives and actually look for deeper meaning, they're not looking to make anybody right or wrong or good or bad at what they do. No, they're looking to understand. Yeah. People that are looking for the average psychic door to door aren't looking to take responsibility. When someone's asking about past lives, it has to do with self responsibility, that accountability, which if you're listening to the Sips of Sanity and the Universal Laws, then you understand one of the reasons why people seek more depth in the sessions. Past lives gives you that level of depth. Kelly, I remember a client coming in wanting to um, find out about partnerships. She asked for past life patterns. She didn't say, what's my future? Will I have a partner? She said, could you go into past lives? And I recall going into several past lives for her and discovering for her that each time she went into a relationship, it triggered painful experiences back to her childhood where her dad abused and deserted the family. And I'll say deserted. I don't just mean divorced and walked out. I mean, he disappeared and didn't come back, which is a very different type than I'm leaving with knowledge and walking away and doing a divorce. So this was truly deserting, not knowing he wasn't going to return. So this pattern then replayed itself in the current life through each of her relationships, even though her partners didn't actually do that to her. So as a result, she would leave first. She was so afraid that the partner would dump her, that somebody would leave her, that she wasn't worth sticking around and working through something with that she would sabotage the relationship so she would have an affair so that she could sabotage the relationship and then be the one to say well then I'll leave so when she heard the pattern she said well I'm doing that again she says I'm repeating this so then she decided to ask her spirit for the tools this is what I totally loved to change the pattern 
So the ability then to ask yourself different questions, and that can be a tool right there. How do I ask myself different questions before I step into this process again? Before I start going out socially to restaurants or to work environments or to a girlfriend's house, whatever it is, seeking, looking, keeping my eyes open for opportunities to flirt or to see if someone's interested in me. How do I stop the process? So she started learning to slow herself down. So if I'm going out to a friend's barbecue, am I dressing for comfort? Am I dressing to impress or attract somebody? Do I feel happy with my partner? Am I going to this event because I'm unhappy and I'm going to flirt with other people? And you know, Cal, I remember her saying, well, my girlfriends could answer that. Because her girlfriends could see how she would behave. And I don't, I don't mean just dress. I mean behave. The, the energy that she was giving off to people. How she set up conversations. They could see it in her. So she decided to go up to her friends and to have conversations with them. And to ask them. And not shoot the messenger? Well, I don't know. I would say that she made that statement in the treatment room. But she hasn't come back. So I don't know if she'll shoot the messenger or not. And we both know that some friends are going to know that she'll shoot the messenger and they're not going to help her. Yeah, they may not even give her the truth. No, they may deny the whole thing, Kelly. Just to keep the friendship intact so that the group stays the same. They may not actually like her or any of her behaviors or even the fact that she is a friend. But they don't want to break up the group. So she was willing at that point, at least in the treatment room, to recognize she had some responsibility and some control. And I I thought that was really cool because she said, if I change my own behavior, I see my own pattern, then my friends and my relationship with them is going to change and get better too. Yeah, that's the good kind of control we talk about. Yeah. And this came from going into past lives to find the behaviors, the beliefs, and the toolkit. I appreciate about past live sessions that people ask more questions as opposed to wanting to tell stories. I find when they're looking for the other modalities, they want to tell us a story about the loved one that passed or how they knew them or a specific memory, or they want to tell us a story about their body if we're doing medical intuitive, and they don't necessarily sit back and allow us to just do our job. And I find with past lives that they're more apt to sit back and say can you tell me more how old was I what happened there's more questions that are open-ended they're more willing to sit back and listen Mm -hmm. and there is a much different level of interaction Mm -hmm. if not more because it's now a three-way conversation between ourself the guides and this individual Mm -hmm. As opposed to the client shutting it down and making it a one-way conversation where they're just telling a story. We can't do our job and the guides can't talk. Mm -hmm. There's another cool story about a young man that came in in a client session. And he wanted to know about careers for future. So he said, you know, just tell me where I'm going. I'm really stuck here. I hate what I'm doing right now and I want to go forward. And I heard his spirit guides say, well, let's go into some of his past lives to find out some of the careers he really liked. So I said to him, 
would you mind if I did past lives for you to find out careers you actually enjoyed? And he went, yeah. So I said, okay, well, you really liked groundskeeping. You liked nature. You liked uh, being at like a camp. I don't know if, if this, this is really in a past life that you would call them this, but it is in this current life, but like a camp director. And I said, so I gave him a list of things. I said, you really liked nature, geology. And he looked at me and said, well, that makes total sense because that's what I'm doing now. Currently, I'm a landscaper. And I said, okay. So then would you mind if I go into past lives that you absolutely hated your careers so you could know the ones that you need to stay away from? And he said, yes. And I said, healthcare. <laughs> Teaching. I said, anything that's one-on-one -on -one with a human being. Yeah. And you know what he said to me? Yeah. Fucking right, because I hate humans. <laughs> I want to be around nature. I want to be with people that are of like mind, that like nature, so that when we're working together, it's quiet. We don't chit-chat. You, you, you do your work and you love where you are. You love the sound of nature. When you're speaking to each other, it's minimal. Grunts, groans, and direction. <laughs> I just loved it. I find always in the sessions for careers that I absolutely love now, drawing on past life experiences to help a person in a positive way. And if you want to say in a negative way, you could, but I just simply mean, what would they like? What would they hate? And if they would hate being indoors, outdoors, would they hate working with people? Do they like working closely with people or like in an office environment where I do the bookkeeping and I work with numbers all day, but I like being around people. So what is your level of connectivity to others? What is your neediness? Is it high or medium or low? And I find that's pretty consistent from lifetime to lifetime. This is making me laugh because I'm, I'm getting flashbacks of a session that I did for you for past lives and you were a bone sorter. Go on. You sorted through bones in this like dungeon, piecing back people and understanding how they died, what they were sick from, yeah, identifying and, um, and giving faces back, which is really funny because I'm into bones right now. But this happened, this treatment happened like months ago. Yeah. And I'm laughing because... <laughs> You picked a lifetime now where you talk to the dead. Yeah. With no bones or flesh. Yeah. And in that lifetime, you sat by yourself just loving being with the bones, the remains, and, and seeing and understanding the stories from what the bones told you. That's so cool how that plays out again in this lifetime. Yes. Because while you're maybe stuck with too many humans in this lifetime, needing to be literally the medium... Mm -hmm. there's so much happiness with the dead it's so true Kelly because I find in the sessions that I don't get my level of love for the job or these gifts from other human beings no I watch you get the most joy when you're on your treatment table journeying on behalf of someone mm -hmm. when the human isn't here yeah or journeying just to see the spirit guides just to be a part of the different worlds yeah and in the session watching the past lives, looking at what they went through, or seeing the person who's crossed over, 
and being able to give all of the messages to the human, but truly focusing on the person who's passed over. Yeah, and I want to kind of go backwards a little bit because I think for people who are going to hear that you don't get the same level of joy or the same happiness or the same fulfillment, that can be shocking for some people to hear. But I want to put it in perspective because given the amount that you happy dance for people Mm -hmm. and the amount of times that I hear you kind of squeal with joy Mm -hmm. in your treatment room, Mm -hmm. it's frequent Mm -hmm. and it's it's a good degree. And what we're saying is it's that much more yeah. when the human isn't present. So yeah. if you can imagine seeing Karen happy dancing for you and remembering some of your best moments in your own sessions, it's like times 10 times 100 when it's just the spirit guides. Oh, yeah. And I find, too, that if the human connection isn't the greatest and say that client I don't know, for whatever reason, doesn't like me, and there could be a number of reasons for that, I still love and can connect to their soul and to their spirit group. And so there is still always some level, always with every single person of that happiness. And I know that's what you've just said, and I've just repeated myself. I've done it again. And I'm laughing because I know that those celebrations often happen on the toilet. After the session, when we sit down and thank the spirit guides for showing up anyway, no matter how poorly we were treated, that we in that connection, that two-way connection could be still joyful and still still happy and still solid, even if the human didn't treat us well. I, I think people are going to be anxious to, for me to ask you a question as to why on the toilet. <laughs> well... I mean, psychologically speaking, metaphorically speaking, you do need to let certain things go (laughs) Um, after an experience like that. Yeah. Okay. Good enough. I think we've talked about our bathroom a lot. I think people will understand now, unless this is their very first show, in which case, oops. (laughs) Okay. So I'd like to move into another story. And this one is about a client that came wanting to know about past lives. She invited an open session about that. And I went straight into watching TV screens. So they look very much like a whole bunch of TV screens in front of me. And if people can understand that, I don't mean they're physically there. It's what I see. And in the TV screen, all of, all of them, I'm trying to find commonalities between them so that I can tell her how many lifetimes. So if she's now repeating a pattern, and I see eight TV screens, and I count them, I can say in eight lifetimes, you've done this. Some people want to know that other people might think, why is it important to know it was eight? What does it matter if it was eight or four? That might be about that particular person. Some people that's important to as I said, and others, it's not you learn things in threes. Yes, or finally in sixes. Yeah. And I and Kel, I wonder if a numerologist listening to this would say, Ooh, choose me. And I can tell you why. A numerologist might be able to sit there and say, I can explain why people would want to know the numbers. Because if you're a certain life path number, then you might need to hear it or experience it or go through it this many times. I can explain why numerology is important to patterning and life past life experiences. So I want to put that out there. Secondly, one lifetime that came out for her 
and I'll say, so this TV screen came out and sat right in front of me to watch. So here it's grabbing my attention now, was that in a lifetime, she totally thought she was a leader. She thought she went through that lifetime as a politician in her community, as somebody that everyone looked up to, that her husband did, that her kids did. So she saw herself as very much a decision maker. She saw herself as a very strong woman. She thought that she was a good critical thinker, that she was a problem solver. And she said, geez, that's me again in this life. That's awesome. So I'm repeating a really good life. And I said, well, I don't know. Can I continue? Then the TV screen somehow did a shifting. And I was able to see that very same life through the eyes of her husband, who saw her as an avoider, who saw her as somebody who stayed so super busy in her life that she didn't connect to him, that she didn't stick around to be a mother figure or a partner. And I don't mean that he wanted a woman to stay home and not work. I don't mean that if anybody's listening to this in the wrong way and went into their feminist shit. That's not what I mean. I mean, just in the sense of loving your children. Then the screen shifted again. And it showed from the perspective of her children, who saw a mom who was a very public figure that they were to look up to and put on a pedestal. She did not make mistakes. They did. They needed to make sure that they kept their life clean and orderly. Don't stand up to anybody in the public. Be people pleasers. Keep it smooth and perfect looking for mom. So then I got to see the screen shift again. And it was from the perspective of the people who worked with her. Some saw her as that leader. She'll get it done. You want her on your team. Then I saw it from other people's perspectives of she's a bully. She doesn't listen. She does what she wants and she gets what she wants and she ramroads over everybody. She's mean and conniving. And that was true. When I told her all of the different perspectives, the client sitting in the room, of the way that all of those people in, the, in her life could see her from different perspectives, and that in that lifetime, she only saw herself through her own lens. When I turned around to look at her, she had the most devastating look on her face I think I've ever seen. And I, so I stopped. I just froze. And I said, are you okay? And she said, nope. And I said, do you want me to continue? And she said, nope. I said, what, where do, what do you need now in this session? She said, I think I need to sit here and tell you that that is me again. And that it would be the first time that somebody has said it to my face. Because I absolutely treat my husband and my kids that way. Absolutely, I still do the same thing in business. And that some people totally have said to me that I am mean and conniving and one-sided. And she says, so you're telling me that I have lived this life prior. And I am terrified to ask you how that life ended. And, I, and she said, but I have to understand that if I am actually responsible and I have different choices, what you're doing right here in this moment, in this lifetime, is that you're turning the light bulb on for me to be able to see it. You're saying it to my face. You're confronting me. 
And now I have an opportunity to hear it from my soul to say, when you go to die at the end of this one, Carol, you knew better. Well, and prior to dying, you have an opportunity to do better. Totally. And that's what she was getting. So I said, well, what, where do you want to go? She says, huh, I have to sit here and make the decision. She says, because if I sit here and say and change the subject, I'm staying in my shit. The avoider. And if I sit here and say to you, how do I change this? I might lose control. I might not get what I want. Or I might. I might actually get what I want. I might have a husband who loves me. I might be able to connect to him and actually try. I might actually be there for my children. I might actually be able to listen to all people. I still might. So she was trying to figure out what she wanted. And the session froze. Kelly, at that moment, I simply said to her, I'm totally fine. I'm going to wait for your cue, but I'm going to listen to your spirit guides. And she went, what? I said, I'm just going to listen. She goes, well, if you're going to listen, can I listen? Because I'm, I feel, I feel paralyzed. And I said, well, I call that emotional paralysis. And I said, so do you want to step into talking about your paralysis first? So we did. And I don't know at this point where she's gone forward in her life with all of this, if she's taken baby steps. But one of the things the spirit world came through to say to her was, get therapy. Get another person involved in your marriage that's going to be able to constantly ask you how your husband's perspective of this situation could be. How somebody else's would be instead of just your own. And I know to some degree that she understands that she's participating in the destructive narcissistic patterning to a degree. And that she's now understanding that she is that person. And professionally, this person is a psychiatrist. So she knows it. So as a professional, with all of that ability to understand, she understands that she needs her own therapist to be able to help her through this. And she gets to go forward to figure out, is that what I want to do? And I want to, I want to pause because we've consistently said long before we even started this show, is that we all need someone. Yeah. We all need someone to hold us accountable. Yeah. Whether we're in this profession or not. That's why scientists evaluate each other's work. Things are peer reviewed. We still need people to check us. Oh my God, Kelly. It's why I book sessions with you. It's to be able to say in the session, when I say to you, go open, I want to hear from you. If my guides are coming in and saying, and when they're coming in and saying, she's in her own ego. She's in her, she's stuck in her own patterns. She's stuck in her own behaviors or her own beliefs. Or, hey, she's repeating a pattern right now. And, and this is the next tool in the toolkit. Or she's not using the ones we've given her. Kick her ass. We all need that. We all need that because it gives us safety. And it gives us a line. I think safety so long as we have humility. Because without humility, we don't feel safe being held accountable. Mm-hmm. We feel shame. Mm-hmm. There are a combination of, of traits that we need to have in order to even allow ourselves to be safe. Yeah. Because I know if when in the past when I sat in my shame, 
It's like then you just want to go back into your old pattern after you've shamed yourself. You also want people to people please you and say you're fine, you're okay, you're good. Yeah. But if I came outside of that and I went into humility, then it was curiosity. Yeah, you might be able to learn something. Then I wanted the tools. I wanted to be able to say to you, what do I do? There's then a seeking for something that's different. So I guess what we're both trying to say here is, and I'm going to just say this in a different way, is that we understand how we sabotage ourselves. And then we learn why we do it. And we also can learn how not to do it so that the real goals that are at the bottom of what we want in life, like safety, love, self-love, self-esteem, loving others, being loved by others, all of these very fundamental things that we that we deserve to have, we actually put ourselves into a place where it's achievable instead of sabotaging ourselves and then projecting that and blaming others. Good. I like that one today. I do too. I think past lives for me like makes me so excited when a client comes in and says, "Can we can we do this?" Because mm-hmm. I truly understand that those sessions are not the five and dime sessions of some of the what I refer to as like that five and dime psychic stuff that people want, which is okay sometimes, but this just gives it the toolkit. It gives it understanding. It gives it motivation. It can remove a depression. It can do so many other things. When you and I are given the opportunity to use all of our gifts to be able to answer people, their questions and meet their needs by accessing past lives because it gives us their soul contract. Wonderful. I hope this inspires listeners to want that kind of session. It's a ton of fun for us as you're hearing over and over again in the session. And it's just an irreplaceable kind of experience in your own human life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's quite unique. And both you and I do not regress the client to do a past life. No, we do the journeying for them to get that information so that they don't have to go through any of that reliving of the trauma or the injury again. Yeah, and there's no confusion. Yeah, that's good. It makes it simpler and cleaner for them, I think. That's the way I like life. <laughs> okay, if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at com. Otherwise, have a wonderful weekend.